From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. It suspends the motor fuel tax for a year, and then in July of 2023, that tax would come back as it was at eight cents a gallon. That's Representative Andy Josephson on the House floor Wednesday as House Bill 104, which would provide a gas tax holiday and a future surcharge on refined fuels, passed on a 36-2 to 2 vote. The bill would help fund spill response in the future. Representative Kevin McCabe says the spill prevention aspect is important to him, despite the fiscal note attached to the bill. We all have insurance for our cars. Some of us it's different, some of it's liability, some of it's full coverage. There's many riders that you can get, such as a, a rental car rider. You pay a little bit more for your insurance. To me, this is uh, paying a little bit more for the insurance of having a spill prevention and response. Um, and that's an, it's a little bit of an increase. I get that. It's a fiscal note. I shouldn't be for a fiscal note. I'm a supporter of being a good steward of our environment, of Alaska, frankly. And we will rue the day that we don't have a proper spill response. Representative Kelly Merrick says Alaskans will pay less at the pump for a period, assisting them in these tough economic times. That means that Alaskans will pay eight cents less per gallon on a tank of gas. And that's important during these times of financial hardship for Alaskans. I think that this decrease for a short time will help Alaskans, and I think it's very important to note that this is a tax holiday and it is not a tax increase. The bill now moves to the Senate for consideration. An Anchorage representative objected to two parole board appointees over an issue of parole grants in the state. Representative Matt Clayman made an initial objection to the appointments of Richard Ole Larson and Juno's Jason Wilson to the Alaska Board of Parole on Wednesday during a joint session of the Alaska legislature. Clayman opposed the amendments, he said, because of a perception that the board denies almost all parole applicants. I rise not because I have objections to these particular individuals, but because I was hearing from a number of folks that the parole board had really gotten in the habit of almost uniformly denying everyone parole, and I think it should involve a little bit more discretion. I certainly recognize there are some that will come before the parole board that should not be granted parole, but there are some that should, and the parole board was, from the reports I was getting, seeming to have an unusually high number of denials of parole, including some that perhaps should have been looked at more carefully. In my discussions with actually both Mr. Larson and Mr. Wilson in committee, I, I was very confident they understood the role of the Board of Parole was not just to deny parole to everyone who applied. And I just wanted to say that I think it's really important that the Board of Parole exercise its discretion carefully. And with those comments, I will remove my objection both as to Mr. Larson and to Mr. Wilson. After Clayman withdrew his objection, both Larson and Wilson were appointed to the board. The legislature confirmed without opposition three cabinet nominees appointed by Governor Mike Dunleavy. House and Senate lawmakers meeting in joint session confirmed Paula Varana as Commissioner of the Department of Administration, Julie Sandy as Commissioner of the State Commerce Department, and Ryan Anderson as the Commissioner of the State Transportation Department. Those were the only cabinet-level positions up for confirmation Wednesday. Each commissioner was confirmed on a vote of 57-0. to zero. The votes came near the start of the joint session in which Dunleavy nominees to boards and commissions were also being considered. You know, Senator Jesse Keel shared his thoughts on the status of the governor's proposed $3,700 dividend this year. He says there is some consensus in the state Senate 
to pay that amount. That remains to be seen. Um, because of the current high oil prices, there is some, some cash around. Um, and I think there is generally consensus in the Senate to pay uh, a, a PFD on par with the governor's um, uh, original proposal of 50-50 this year. That, that's not a number we can sustain in the long term. Um, and we just need to remember that price oil goes up and it comes back down. In the House budget, they propose a $1,250 check along with a one-time relief check of $1,300. Keel says the additional $1,100 will be a tough sell. I think there, there's a lot of virtue in in providing uh, that that level of PFD this year. Uh, folks are certainly having a tougher time filling their heating oil tanks um, and, and their gas tanks. Uh, and other prices are are up, so I, I think there's um, there's pretty good consensus on that. The the additional roughly 1,100 that the governor is asking for is going to be a tougher sell. Um, the the Senate has language in the budget that our surplus after we pay the PFD and and what we uh, need to spend to operate the state um, and serve Alaskans goes into savings. Juno Senator Jesse Keel. Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski, during a Senate Interior Environment Appropriations Subcommittee hearing on the Forest Service budget Wednesday, as she discussed the roadless rule and what she calls the harm it's brought to the economy of Southeast Alaska. The political definitions of forest health and responsible forestry practices appears to swing on a pendulum, unfortunately dependent on the occupant of the White House. Murkowski says Alaska's industries, including timber, transportation, mining, renewable energy, and tourism, are under constant attack and overburdened some regulations that are killing jobs and opportunities. In recent years, a lot of good people have done a lot of good work to craft an Alaska-specific roadless rule for the Tongass. That roadless rule exemption finalized in 2020 should stand, but instead we see an administration that's rolling it back and once again forcing unnecessary sweeping restrictions upon millions of acres in the Tongass. Kowski says the timber industry is nearly gone in southeast. It seems to me that the Forest Service is just hell-bent on, on killing what is left of a very small timber industry, starving them of timber supply. There's basically no timber program whatsoever in the Tongass anymore, and that's just a reality. Murkowski says a former administration promised help, but the Biden administration has quashed the hope of most Southeast Alaskans. The Juneau Assembly Finance Committee took up a number of budget items Wednesday in regards to a request by the Juneau Community Foundation for an additional $750,000 in this year's budget. The committee postponed discussion of striking a $150,000 supplemental request for the Glory Hall by the nonprofit. That reduction was requested after a motion by Mayor Beth Weldon. It was moved to the manager's decision list. Amy Skilbred is the executive director of the foundation. In 2015, CBJ and the foundation entered into an agreement that combined CBJ's social service grant funds with the Juno Hope Endowment Funds into one annual grant process. Per this agreement, we provide information to the assembly about the awards and the social service funding needs, including support for those who are homeless or food insecure, victims of violence, hospice facilities, adult education, mental health, suicide prevention, health and substance misuse programs. Skillbred says more funding was needed this year and there has been more need in the community. In the request for $250,000 from Juno Arts and Humanities Council, the committee ask was outlined by Finance Director Jeff Rogers. 
the manager has proposed to increase the art, the historical arts and humanities council grant award by 16,800, which is 10% of the historical award. So the award has been 168,000 for some time. Um, this would increase it to, um, 1843 1843 um and uh there's a separate communication from the executive director of the arts and humanities council um requesting instead 250,000 and that amount would be 65,700 more than is proposed in the manager's budget the council's Nancy DeCherney said 16 organizations, more than in previous years, have applied for funding with requests totaling $291,500. $65,700 of the ask was moved to the manager's decision list. The Downtown Business Association's ask this year is for $75,000. Alex Raybeck is the director of the association. This is really for our implementation of the Main Street program here um, in Juneau. Uh, Juneau is one of the only Main Street accredited cities in Alaska. Um, and I think that it proves incredibly effective because we have such a vibrant downtown. And if you look at other um, downtowns across Alaska, I mean, I might be biased, but I'm pretty sure ours is the best. Um, and I'm sure you all agree with me. The association's $75,000 request was moved to the manager's decision list. Alaska HeatSmart requested $250,000. Here's HeatSmart board president, Steve Banke. Alaska HeatSmart accelerates the adoption of heat pumps to help the CBJ meet its climate and renewable energy goals, reduce housing costs, improve health and comfort, reduce vulnerability to oil price shocks, and create economic activity and jobs. And we do this by providing reliable third-party information, act as a bridge between people who want to get a heat pump and the contractors who uh, will sell it to them if they uh, ask nicely. The ask, according to Banky, is to continue to meet the demand for its heat pump program, energy efficiency advice, and technical assistance to Juno homeowners and businesses. The committee moved 140000 of the ask to the manager's budget, thereby approving that portion. The Assembly Public Works and Facilities Committee was given a presentation on the need for a new city museum this week. Museum Director Beth Weigel wrote in a memo that the now 71-year-old historic building is in great need of further improvements to fix an ongoing and growing water infiltration problem that puts the permanent collection at risk. City Manager Rory Watts said that the project started several years ago but got derailed by COVID. I make the museum more accessible to local people and uh, visitors, year-round activity on the waterfront, improve our capital campus, uh, and fund it with a, a variety of funding methods, including uh, passenger fees with the cruise ship industry, um, tentatively agreeing to partial funding, uh, grant foundations like Rasmussen and fund advisors. So uh, the museum director has an update uh, anticipating that as we get into the 1% sales tax discussion, uh, we need to uh, reestablish kind of what this project is and why it exists. And the last thing I'll say is there's no do-nothing option. This is another 70-year-old uh, building that we own. One of the challenges Museum Director Weigel shared was poorly insulated windows that allow moisture build up on the inside as deteriorating window coverings on the inside. Weigel said another issue is collections capacity. She said of the benefits of a new city museum. Uh, certainly an increase in accessibility. Right now we have no parking. It's um, a place that is a little bit more challenging to get to because people have to walk uphill. Um, I think we could certainly see more accessibility on the waterfront 
to both our community and to seasonal visitors. Um, we'd also see a larger space would bring more collection storage space, which um, is a direct part of our uh, mission to, as a public trust, to collect and exhibit and interpret the things that we have in our collection. Museum Director Beth Weigel. A Southeast Native Corporation is considering adding a new boat to their fleet. Gold Belt President and CEO McHugh Pierre spoke on that while a guest on Action Line. Gold Belt has been actively promoting a hub-and-spoke ferry system in Southeast with smaller vessels serving smaller communities, linking up with the bigger car-carrying AMHS vessels, and we've been successful in doing that. We did about six runs this winter, and, and communities were very happy to see that um, regular, reliable transportation there. And as a result, we have more people, we have more positions that, that we need, and, and we're considering purchasing another vessel as well. He said they run transportation for a mine in Juneau. Whether it's built or we buy an existing one, but we know that there's a lot of opportunity and, and we need people working in that facility, especially with Kensington Mine. So we, we serve Kensington Mine three to four times a day, and we need people to help work those runs too. Pierre said the Gold Belt Board will need to evaluate the proposal of a new boat. Juneau Senator Jesse Keel honored the late Senate Secretary Lancy Quinto during the floor session on Wednesday. Keel spoke to the legacy of Quinto and her work in the legislature. Earlier this week, one of our longtime public servants here in this building, here on this floor, Nancy Quinto, passed away. Nancy, uh, began her work in the Alaska State Legislature in 1971 uh, on the other side in the House Chief Clerk's Office. She came to the Senate in 1973 and did roughly every job, I think, in the Senate Secretary's Office, eventually becoming the Senate Secretary herself in 1988. She served this body and Alaskans honorably, with dignity, incredibly capably for a dozen years. Six different Senate presidents sat in the chair where you are, Mr. President, and every one of them relied heavily on Nancy for her expertise, her knowledge, her professionalism, and her great sense of humor. And Keel honored Quinto for her life outside the Capitol building as her family were seated as guests in the Senate gallery. Outside of work, as you can see, she raised uh, with her husband, Marcelo, a wonderful family of, of great people and great Alaskans. Nancy's practical nature, her, uh, she had a smile that could warm a room. Her sunny smile were great assets in the community as well as here in this body. Um, there's only so much you can say about the passing of a great Alaskan. I, I think back, Mr. President, on the invocation we just heard. Hearts are broken today at Nancy's loss. But they were hearts filled with love for her. And that love is pouring out. Please join me in thanking Nancy Quinto's family for sharing her with the Alaska State Senate and with all of us. Our, our hearts go out to you for the loss of such a great Alaskan. Juno Senator Jesse Keel. Organizers for the annual citywide cleanup Saturday saw 600 volunteers come out and pick up trash on public lands. Over 12,000 pounds of trash was collected. The event is sponsored by Juno Litter Free, of which Lori Sika is one of the officers. We had a pretty good day. We had uh, sunshine and a lot of people out working to pick up the town, and we had uh, over 12,000 pounds of trash removed from uh, public properties in Juno, and probably over about over 600 
volunteers out and about uh, helping us, and things went really smoothly. Compared to past years, Sika said the amount of trash is down. We usually pick up somewhere in the range of twenty to 30,000 pounds of trash, so our number is a little bit down. Um, all I can say is I'm hoping that that means we're getting to be cleaner. Sika thanked their sponsors. We're very thankful for Capital Recycling and Disposal, which uh, hosts this event and at their landfill, and we couldn't do it without them. She said they were happy with the turnout and the overall results. We usually have that many, um, sometimes more. Uh, but and you know, the sun kind of works for us and against us because uh, you know it makes it really a nice. Pleasant experience when you're out picking up trash, but also, you know, sometimes people find other things to do on a bright, sunny day. So, yeah, but we're happy. We're happy with the turnout. We're happy with the results. Uh, town looks a lot better, and we're going to try to keep it that way. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.